it's my cue. Let's go to all well, book talk. I'm getting my shows <laughs> mixed up here. Do all things radio Recording and book talk. In progress. Whatever the case may be, welcome to book talk for another week. This is what, February 27th? 7th, good. And we're rolling right along. We've been doing this for over a year, so take it away, Nolan. Okay. I presume I'm hearable. You are. Yes, you are. Thank you. I've had a work crisis that has lasted for hours. (laughs) It's not yet resolved, but it's at least on hold until morning. So I am not quite as well prepared. I know it doesn't always sound like I'm well prepared. I get that. But I really do take time. To, on Tuesdays to build a little dashboard and okay these are the ones I'm going to talk about in this order and it's actually a pretty Im- impressive uh, for me at least uh, kind of organization well today because we're having a fusion install crisis at work um, which I think we will fix tomorrow but it, it, it didn't give me time to build my cute little dashboard and all my organizational frills and chills so I apologize if I come across especially tonight as a bit ragged um, I want to start uh, by talking to you about a book that I wouldn't normally read, but this really appealed to me, and um, it's called The Good Old Boys, Huey Calloway, number one, and that's H-E-W-E-Y, Calloway, C-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y, number one, by Elmer Kelton, K-E-L-T-O-N, Elmer, conventionally spelled, E-L-M-E-R. I'm spelling these for the benefit of anybody who's taking notes and for the been a benefit of my magnificent host here, the, the host of this program, who uh, does take notes and then sends that data out. The order number is DB four eight five zero four five zero five. Forgive me. Once again, DB four eight five zero five. I don't know about you, but I often find myself a little out of place, feeling kind of homesick for something closer to what used to pass for normal. Uh, no matter how how much longer I live. I'll always see 2020 as the year the United States began tumbling into chaos. And um, it occurs to me that those things that passed for normal in 2019 are never coming back. It feels like a world gone mad. It's, it feels like I'm in a time, out of time and out of place kind of person. I'm becoming a bit of an anachronism. My little granddaughter assures me that she is a Swifty. I'm not sure I can tell you two songs Taylor Swift even sings. Uh, if you want to talk to me about the music of John C. Fogarty and Creedence Clearwater Revival, well, then we're going to have an animated conversation that could go on for hours. But uh, I don't have much to say to my little Swifty granddaughter, which makes me feel a little out of place and out of time in a world that I don't fully understand. I've tried to use Copilot. It has largely failed for me personally anyway. I know it works great for everybody else. It's just me. In any case, that gives you some understanding of where I'm coming from in the world. Um, I do feel, however, that I've got a great sense of extreme optimism. I think we're going to be okay long term. We're going to hit some kind of really hard bottom, but I think we come out of it and do really well. Because there are, there are beings who oversee our universe who are very much in charge of life on Earth. And they were not, they're not going to let it go so out of control that it, it becomes entirely unmanageable. So I lack a lot of the... the constant uh, angst and insecurity that I see uh, among people around me. I just feel a little out of place at times. Um, Huey Calloway grew up in post-Civil War tech. He's the kind of guy who used to ride for days without seeing another human being. And he could ride for weeks without seeing so much as a strand of barbed wire. But it's 1906 as this book begins. And sadly for Huey, 
people and barbed wire fences are increasingly marring what he thought of as the most pristine parts of Texas. As I often yearn for a better 2019 or a return to the more normal days of yesteryear, when inflation was nearly non-existent and I actually had savings in the bank, Huey yearns for a time when things were a little less congested, when he could be a cowboy in every sense of the word. He's always been a bit of a free spirit. He has a solid work ethic, but when he finished a job, he was off to the next job in a hurry. He didn't even so much as look back, usually. He was just gone. Um, He felt he ought to at least check in with a younger brother who had settled down into a a small ranch, got himself a wife and a bunch of kids, a couple of kids. Not Huey's way of thinking, but that's okay. That's good for his brother. But the open road calls Walter also, but there's nothing he can do about that. He's kind of tied down with that family, unlike Huey. They become close, these two brothers, again, despite years of separation. He sees how much financial trouble his brother's family is in, and he realizes that there's got to be something he can do to help. Um the uh, the two nephews struggle with the changing times. One of them wants to be a mechanic. He wants to learn about automobiles. He wants to learn about things fly. And he can't wait to get off that ranch and go away and never look back. The other young man is more prone to, well, I'd like to kind of keep things as they are. And so the two boys represent the struggle that is happening in Huey's mind as well. Um, this is a glorious story about a man out of time living in an living an, in anachronistic life. Um, it looks at the inner conflicts that are inevitable in a world that is changing rapidly. Add to that the idea that Huey's, uh, Huey's, uh, well, how do I put it? His, uh, he has fallen for a young woman named Spring, who is the local school teacher, and that increases the kind of inner conflicts he's experiencing, as you might imagine. Uh, El- Elmer Kelton is one of the great storytellers of his time, just as country music star Tom T. Hall could regale listeners with richly plotted song stories in mere minutes, he could seemingly describe vast panoramas in a two- or three-minute song. Kelton also weaves an unforgettably writ tapestry here. You can hang those on your mental wall long, long after you've closed the book. Even if you can't stand westerns, you think they're silly, you think they're dumb, I would respectfully plead with you to give Elmer Kelton at least one chance in your life and see whether this book might trigger in you some thoughts about how you're sometimes feeling, well, just a little anachronistic, just a little out of place in a world that's seemingly spinning out of control for you. There's a lot of turn of the 20th century salty Texas language in here. If that's a problem, you may want to leave it undownloaded. There's humor that's laugh out loud wonderful. There's a scene where Huey surreptitiously convinces a dog to pee on a banker. <laughs> it's a good scene. Uh, that sounds fine. I won't go into the ending except to tell you that it saddened me, but that it was necessary. We'll leave it at that. This again is um, The Good Old Boys, Huey Calloway, number one, by Elmer Kelton, BB48505. Well, we have some hands already, so let's start off with uh, Joshua. Hey, Joshua. Um, I thought he was unmuted. You got, can you guys hear me now? Yep, yeah. I can. Go ahead. Yeah, weird. I just got the. I tried to. I didn't know that I was already unmuted, and I got the message that said, you know, the host would like the the host is not allowing people to unmute, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? But 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 anyway, um uh um, I had to take a break from the from the series from that series I mentioned last week, that away from keyboard series, 
I've got two more books to go in that series, and I'll, and I'll probably finish it just because they're there on my phone. But I had to take a break from that series. I am reading. I am reading the first Mountain Man series by William W. Johnston and and J and J. A. Johnston. Um, Bard has uh, most of the series available. Um, uh, and I, I'm on book 16. It's called Preacher. It's called Preacher's Fire. Is the book I'm is a book I'm currently reading. And Preacher is a, is a mountain man. Um, uh, when he, when he was, yeah, when he was just a kid, maybe like 11 or 12, he ran away from Ohio and he wanted to, uh, you know, strike out on his own. And he had some interesting adventures. Uh, he, he was, he was in the battle of new Orleans, even though he was just like a 13 or 14 year old kid. Um, uh, he, he was briefly, uh, briefly, briefly made a slave for, before he was able to get out of that situation. And he, uh, he, he learned how to trap in the mountains, uh, Trap Beaver and Preacher. He's always helping people in trouble. He, he's he's reluctant. He's he, he's reluctant. He, he reluctantly guides wagon trains um to their destinations because he knows the mountains in the country and a lot of these people when they're in their wagons they don't. He doesn't like to do it necessarily because he doesn't like the West to remain kind of unspoiled by uh by you know the progress of civilization. But you know there's not really much he can do about that. But he. Uh, but he um he kind of does it anyway and uh some of the recent books he helped this helped this trading post get established oh, okay. in in in, in, uh, in the the Rocky Mountain area and you have to deal with like black you deal with like blackfoot indians and different indian tribes and and um it is a good series um i'm i'm not reading the bard version right now i'm reading the ver- versions from graphic audio if anybody if anybody likes uh uh books that are you know have sound effects music Several different actors and actresses and a narrator, you know, like it's a it's a dramatized book. And if anybody likes things like that, then Graphic Audio is the company to check out. But if you like just the audio book, then then you have Bard. Most of the series is read is read by uh, John Polk. Uh, most of the uh, first Mountain Men series is read by him. Not all of them, but a good portion of them. So, like I said, that that's that's what I'm currently reading, and it's kind of funny because I mean, when I I used to kind of be the person when I would when I would start a series, I would read the entire series. They wouldn't let wouldn't let anything stop me. Now I've kind of changed because um, uh, anymore, like when I'm reading several books in a series, after a while, the books kind of not exactly blend together, but kind they kind of they kind of lose some of their uh, Freshness are not quite as interesting to me, at least with certain series, and uh, and that's kind of what happened with my away from keyboard series that I was reading. The, the books were good, but it's like it all kind of follows the same pattern of where of where you know some military veteran did did something, and then they were you know they're you know atoning for what they did in some way, and then then, then they, they they help out a girl, and you know you, you know the two of them are eventually going to get together, and it's kind of like. It's kind of like okay, I kind of know how the story is going to go already. I'm just kind of re- I'm I'm kind of reading the same thing over and over again, but slight with slightly different variations. I mean, I'm not saying that that series, that away from keyboard series by Patricia Dietti isn't a good series, but I had to take a break from it and uh, you know read some uh, read some nice action-packed westerns. So there you go. That's All what right. I'm reading. Good. Thank you very much. No problem. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Let's uh, bring and For on... what it's worth, I agree with you about series. I can't read them back to back. I burn out, and then I start blaming the book, say the book is poor quality when that's not true, and it's just me tired being tired of it. So I agree. Anyway, who's next? Uh, uh, Ralph is next. How's it going, Ralph? All right. How are you? Good. Go ahead. Uh, you got two quick books here. Tumbleweeds, 
by Leela Meacham, and the DB number is DBC28910. It's narrated by Angel Masters. She did a good job with that. TD, John, and Catherine are joined at the hip. They love each other. They're little children. They're growing up together. Uh, TD, uh, Trey Dine, Catherine hit it off, and they're going to get together and all that stuff. And TD and John are big-time high school football players. They're just top of the line. They can't look. They can't miss. The championship game is coming up, and so TD is sort of wild. He wants to go to the next town, find where the mascot is of their team, and scrape it up and make it look bad to psychologically affect the other team. So when they do that, a terrible thing happens that afternoon, and TD and John are the only two that know about it because John went with him. So uh, they won that game 41-6. to They didn't have to go and do what they did. But anyway... It goes on, TD gets a scholarship to Miami, and he becomes a big-time pro football player. And John goes into the priesthood. He's overwhelmed with guilt about what happened. But he made a pledge to TD that they would never talk about it to anyone else. So they got away with it. So uh, 22 years later, TD comes back home for the first time. He has inoperable brain uh, tumor. And he's coming back to clear his conscience and confess. And John has been... Serving as a priest and uh, took the you know the poverty and uh, all that and people in this community he's back helping with a uh, sort of like a children's home. Everybody in town loves John. They just they adore him. He's uh, you know he can almost walk on water. So anyway, the confrontation will come and uh, you'll have to see how it ends. I can't tell you how it ends, but anyway, it's a good book. Great. The the narrator. did I lose the narrator? Oh, yeah, I said that. I think uh, you gave it to us earlier. Uh, yeah, the other book, speaking of uh, serendipity, the uh, have you read Old Cowboys Never Die by William the Johnston Crew? Mm-hmm. Okay, this isn't about the preacher man, okay? Uh, Eli and Casey, they're good friends. They're you know, they're cowboys. They're getting older now. The cattle industry is failing, and so they decide they they want to rob this little train get some money pay boy and so that starts their adventure and eventually they want to come back and uh, see what they can get their hands in and uh, you know try to try to support the cattle industry when it's all said and done they go through some stuff people are chasing them a marshal is after these two old men they decide that they're when they rob something they're going to dress up like old men wear long gray hair gray beards and all that and it's, I, it's, it was good. John Little is the narrator. Uh, DB118045. It was a good book. I just finished recently. Sounds and just great. for the record, CJ Box has come out with his latest. And I love the Joe Pickett series. It's not on Bard yet, but it was released, uh, well, actually today, January, I mean, February 27th. Oh. I, had to, I had to buy it like at 12.05 this morning. So <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Down, I, I, I love his story. Yeah, he's the best of the best, isn't he? I, I, I like I, him better I, than I like, uh, well, um, Craig Johnson, the Walt Longmire series. Uh, me too, yes. C.J. Watts, far superior. And, and I, I actually got to speak to him one time. We had a conference call, mm-hmm. and he was just friendly as could be. And that was mm-hmm. that was refreshing because, you know, people who become famous sometimes, they don't want to take the time of day to, uh, I don't know you, that type thing. He, he was cool. Mm-hmm. Good. So anyway, that's my thank uh, you. Those are my reviews. Yes. 
Let's go to uh, Carl is next. Hi, Carl. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Nolan. Hey, I'm um, glad you're I, here. Uh, well, yeah, I, I got home early enough, and I thought, I'm not going to forget to join today. Oh, we're so um, glad you did. First of all, I, I'd like Guys, to say... Guys, this is I, my friend who says I can write a four-hour review about a three-hour book. So. <laughs> yeah, well, this is true. <laughs> He's right. He's and this right. is true. And I can <laughs> write a 280-character thing about a book if I want. Um, so, <laughs> um, I, I agree with all of you on, on the, the types of books. I know I feel kind of like Nolan, a little bit out of place as well. Um, and of, Normality seems like a thing of the past, but... Um, I have another book that's completely different from uh, – sorry, my, I just got updates on my thing. Sorry. Um, I, uh, I have a book that's completely different than the ones we've been talking about, although I'm really excited to hear about the Joe Pickett book too because I love those books. Um, I'm going to stop my – okay. Am I still unmuted, I hope? You are here. Yep, you're good. Okay. You're good. All right. This book is um, – I don't have the author's name because I can't hear what it is. He's, he's Middle Eastern, and he reads the book. The book is called Scary Smart. The Future of Artificial Intelligence and How You Can Save Our World. The book is uh, DB116251. Uh, the title of this book is absolutely right um, because this guy has been in the AI business for years and has talked about um, uh, its goods and bads. He talks about the nature of what intelligence is. He says, you know, we as humans tend to think it's what we are, which we are, but he says, you know, do trees shed their leaves because of chemical reactions or do they do it because of certain things that happen and they know what to do? He says, you know, there's we when we want to contact um, extraterrestrials, we think of doing it by pumping radio waves out. He says, perhaps they don't have the same intelligence, isn't the same to them. And it's interesting that that topic, but the book is um, is terrifying to tell you the truth because he talks a lot about the about the history of AI and how it started and how it really started in the 1950s, uh, but it was very slow, you know, very slow growth because there was no computing power at that time. He said, since the turn of the century, if you've heard of the hockey stick uh, graph, it's where, the, where things go along kind of slowly and then suddenly they shoot straight up like a hockey stick does. He said, that's what's happened since the turn of the century. Um, he, um, he does give um, some good ideas on how we as as consumers should be responsible to try and help control it uh, because he says there's no way to stop it at this point. And it's interesting because he mentions Ray Kurzweil. Him and Ray Kurzweil have a somewhat different opinion. Uh, he believes that, you know, they both believe that AI could be good, but he believes that we need as humans to be in control more of it and, and that there some things can happen that are really not very good. Ray seems to be uh, very positive. You know, he was he was talking once to Glenn Beck and Glenn said, well, what if what if Google did this or that? And Ray said, oh, they'll never do that. They won't do that. Mm -hmm. um, well, Ray is very positive that way. This this fellow is not. He, he says, you know, we really need to be responsible for uh, what's happening. And, and he gives some good ideas. I just barely finished it. It's it's read by the author. He's a Middle Eastern. Uh, his accent is a little hard to get at first, but uh, it was such an interesting book. And it is written in a way that uh, it's not high tech, but it's also not stupid. But it's it's just fascinating. And if you want to get uh, get yourself scared, it really is true. Scary Smart is the name of the book. Uh, Scary mm -hmm. Smart, the Future of AI and What and How We Can Save Our World. It's a great book. Thank you. That's outstanding. I will go get that myself. That sounds really good. So many good books on my wish list is going to grow and grow and grow. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. That's definitely in my. Let's bring on uh, our caller from the 682 area code here. So if you go, like, ahead. go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that book. If y'all really like a great book, uh, 
Get locked inside by Lois Duncan. She's got some very good books. You know, with that series, uh, Don't Look Behind You and some of the other. Uh, this Locked in Time uh, talks about a, a girl who's named Nora whose had just died. And um, they move into they move to another country. I forgot what it was or city where there is uh, another family with a daughter. Uh, her name is Lizette, and she has a daughter named Josie who's thirteen, and she's going through like her awkward years and stuff. <laughs> but what? Um, she does it with Nora doesn't know until she starts stuff out is that these people are locked in time and they're not growing old, they're not I mean, they're not getting any younger, they're not getting any older, they're just staying the same ages and a whole lot of stuff happens in that book and um eventually when Nora grows up she still has to contend with Josie who's thirteen and now um I think Nora eventually got married and Josie's living with him or something. It's a complicated story, but it's a good book. All right. Thank you for that. Let's Great go recommendation. to uh Deb. Thank hey, you. Deb. Well, hello, everybody. It's good to hear everybody. Um, I have a suggestion for a book that I kind of got on by accident. I thought it was going to be a legal fiction book. And indeed, there is a woman who is a, um, a lawyer that is one of them that is the main character of the book. And the name of it is Say You're Sorry. And the author is Melinda Lee. And it's L-E-I-G-A. And it is a barred book. Let me see what I can find in the way of the TB number here. Well, I don't see it at the moment for some weird reason. Ah, there we go. It's part of a, it's, it's a three book thing. And it's DB91395. It's DB91395. Um, like I said, the name of it is Say You're Sorry. And it's the first in a series that I think maybe has maybe seven or eight books in it. I haven't um, explored too far. Um, the, the name of the book that, that the bar number has all three though, and it's named after the woman, which is Morgan Dane. And the but the first book is Say You're Sorry if you're looking for it elsewhere. Um, so she is a woman who has been married to a man who was in the military and was killed in Afghanistan. She has three young children, um, all under the age of five. And she moves back. She's devastated by the death of her husband. And she moves back to her hometown and is living with her grandfather and is expecting to go to work for the district attorney and work in and work there. But when she gets there, there's a woman who is a good friend of hers that is murdered. And the boy who lives across the street, approximately, is accused of the murder of this girl that she knows. And she also is well aware that he is not the killer because he vomit. Or, no, I'm sorry, he faint at the sight of blood. So she ends up not going to work for the prosecutor. And she takes on the class, on the um, research to find out 
to prove that she didn't, that this guy did not kill the girl. Well, it's more, I thought it was going to be a legal thriller, and that's fine. I love legal thrillers. But what this is almost being more on is a private investigator story in that she ends up um, working with a guy who she was friends with from high school, but and he is working for a guy who has his own private investigation service, and she becomes a lawyer in that same investigative um, business, but it's about them, the three of them, going out and finding, um, figuring out exactly what's going on, and basically kind of having a very adversarial relationship, both with the prosecutor's office and the people and the guy who is the murderer of this girl. So it's a very the first book I enjoyed a lot. I've started. I've read the second one, um, and I'm kind of in the same place that you guys have been talking about about not necessarily wanting to read them back to back. Um, although it, it's pretty entertaining, it's not like it's not Robert Dugoni, <laughs> but it's pretty good, and I'm, it's well worth reading, especially if you enjoy that kind of thing. And that's pretty much all I've got. To Great, say thank you very much. Yeah, it's good stuff. Oh, quick question before you go away: Melinda Lee oh. is known somewhat for her romantic suspense titles. What's the level of sex in this? Is it pretty okay, or is it pretty steamy, or what? What are your What are your thoughts? There, I sent her the request again. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I I tried to snag her before she decided to run silent, run deep, as the old book says. Okay. Well, well, we'll come All back. Right, never mind. No, there matter. she is. There she is. No, nope. There's Jennifer. Right. Let's go to you. That next. Well, I thought I was going to be almost late today because I <laughs> was reading a book that I really wanted to finish before the show, and um, I I did. I got it finished. It was called. Um, the Housemaid's Secret. It is the sequel to The Housemaid by Frieda McFadden. And unfortunately, it is not on Bard. And I wish they would put those two on Bard. They have some of her other books. <clears throat> but this one is like seven years after The Housemaid. And at the end of The Housemaid, you find out that, well, how, I'm trying to do this without giving away the whole first book. But anyway, this picks up where the housemaid leaves off, and Millie gets another job as a cleaning lady, and she she has been, she's determined that she's not going to go to prison. She already served her time in prison. When she was a teenager, she accidentally killed a boy that was raping her friend, and she has developed the reputation of being rather uh, against men who abuse their spouses and so she starts working for this this couple <clears throat> excuse me this couple in their in their penthouse and get out of here girls she keeps <laughs> finding so she sees signs that something is wrong with this man's wife he he won't let her go in the room with her and ever see her out, he always says, oh, well, she has her door shut, then you just leave her alone. So anyway, she does end up going and, and finding this lady, and he and she sees her one day, and she's battered and bruised, and she offers to help her get out of her abusive marriage. Well, so she does what she can do, but something goes terribly wrong with her plan, and... I better leave it at that, but it, it was, re it's really a good book. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things that keeps you 
on the edge of your seat because you don't know what's going to happen next. And you know that she she does things that are skirts around the law to help these women. And she doesn't want to wind up in prison again. And, you know, you, you always, it, it's just really, it, it's good. Re, Frieda McFadden is a good writer. Those are the, the only two books I've read of hers, but I would recommend them. Mm-hmm. And they were right. very good. Cool. Thank very you. Very good. Joshua, go ahead. Hi, um, I, yeah, I, I should be, I should be unmuted. I think. Yep, you're good. Um, I want, I wanted to let you guys, I wanted to let Jenny and everyone know if, um, I, I do intend to read those books as well. But like I said, Bard doesn't have the second one. That's why I'm not going to read it on Bard. I'll get it on Audible. Um, I, I do, I do believe that a third book in that series is going to be is going to come out sometime by the end of the year, possibly. May, June, July. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure when, but I. I did see on Audible that in that series that a third one should be coming out uh, sometime by the end of the year. So I believe the story is not over with just yet. Oh so my. I just. Want, I want. I want. <laughs> so I, I. I wanted to point that out because I always never hear about a series, and I, I always want to try to let people know if they don't know that. So sometimes there's more books to come. Sometimes yeah, there that's... are. And, Sometimes I've read books where I wish that they wrote sequels, but the author hasn't. Because I hate it when authors leave you hanging, thinking I think there's more to the story, and they just cut it off. It's like, wait a minute, that's not you know what, what happened next. I hate that. I'm like, <laughs> I I've read more than once. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, more than more than once I've read that. I'm like, that book sounds like there needs to be a sequel, and there is one. I'm like, why do authors do that? <laughs> yeah. well, and why does Bard have one of them and not the other? And that is that is that is something. I've always wished that with Bard, I mean, if you're going to do a series, try your very, very, very hardest to get all the books in the series. If you don't, then don't, then I do, don't even put it up because why would you want to read, if you know there's three books in a series, Bard has one and not two and three. I've seen this before. I've seen book one and three and not yeah. two. Yeah. It's They're like, really good uh, at that. It, 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 it's annoying. It's, crazy. It, it really is. Yeah, or, or, all, or all nine of them except five. Right. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. I think I've seen that before too. Yeah. I don't like those what I call cartridge busters either. I understand why they're necessary, well, but I, I hate would almost four rather, books in a series all on that one cartridge, all in that one book. I'd almost rather they do that than leave them out or change true. narrators. True. In the I'll grant you it. that. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. I hate it when they change narrators in the middle of it because, especially if you've read Seven Eleven with that first narrator, because the second one is never the same. Sometimes the second Not one usually. is so bad that you have to go to Bookshare or Audible to to continue the series. <laughs> <clears throat> Are you listening, George Holmes? Oh, sorry, did I not have myself <laughs> muted? <Dang>. No. He... <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joshua. That's good information. And um, Nolan, we'll go to you. Okay. Well, I want to recommend, this is a surprise recommendation for me because I'm always a little suspect of this guy's book, but I found that this one was actually pretty decent. This is called Killing England, The Brutal Struggle for American Independence by Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard, D-U-G-A-R-D. O'Reilly is O apostrophe uppercase R-E-I-L-L-Y. The order number is DB89045. Once again, DB89045. Um, This surprised me a a bit. It's a fairly simple presentation of the Revolutionary War from the perspectives of four individuals. (laughs) Forgive me. Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and England's King George. Um, 
the Franklin chapters felt weak to me, but they were there and they're not, they're not terrible. The King George chapters will just infuriate you if you still believe in the, uh, the value of the United States. The uh, Valley Forge chapters, the George Washington chapter on Valley Forge just tore my heart open. I just, I was left reduced to oh, extreme sadness for those guys. They suffered beyond anything we can imagine. I don't know how accurate this book is. I read the audio version, as I've just described here, and there are no footnotes <clears throat> listed. I assume these guys brought their receipts, as in included good documentation in the print edition, but I don't know. The best part of the book, of course, was the entire subject matter. The writing style of the authors was excellent, I thought. Uh, the accounts of the appalling treatment of British soldiers of American women, uh, patriot women, women who believed in independence, were just stunning to me. They were horrible. These these Brits just raped with impunity. There was no uh, remorse, no sense of sorrow, nothing from them. They just, if you were a female and you believed in in uh, the Declaration of Independence, uh, you were a prime victim for rape or a prime target. Um, their prison ships, the description of those are that are in here will leave you gagging. The stink uh, just will show up in your audio player almost, so vivid is it. It's a great book. Again, it's it's called The Killing England, The Brutal Struggle for American Independence by Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard. The order number is DB89045. Jennifer. Well, let's see. Gosh, I guess I go back to my childhood a little bit and talk to you about Bed knob and broomstick. That's a great book. By, by Mary Norton. And <laughs> it's been a long time since I've read this, but I remember I read it when I was in third grade and I went back and read it later. And I think I even saw the movie and it was still good. So the three three Wilson children are they they make friends with their with their older with their neighbor, spinster neighbor, and they think that she they see things that make make them think that she might be a witch. So in order to keep them from telling all of the neighborhood that she's a witch, she gives them an enchanted bed knob. And with this bed knob, if they sit on their bed and put their hands on the bed knob and make a wish, they are transported someplace. So it's like, be careful what you wish for. And they have all kinds of adventures. They get taken to an island of cannibals, and they have all kinds of adventures before mm. they finally decide that they need to stop this bed from taking them to these places. And it, I, it's a, it was a really good book. I am not doing a very good job at it, describing it. But it was really good, and it was Bed Knob and Broomstick uh, by Mary Norton, and it is DB42845. Do you have anything to add to it, Nolan? No, I just love the book as well. I read it in the early 70s as a teenager and uh, during a deer season, deer hunt of all that place. And um, when my brothers weren't dragging me uh, down a mountainside trying to flush out a bunch of bucks, not dollars, but the actual running creatures. I was sitting <laughs> at the stationer uh, area there and uh, hanging out with uh, my dad and some of the other older guys who weren't quite as keen on running, uh, flushing out the deer as, as they had been. And I, that's when I would sit and read that book. So it was it has a lot of memories for me. I'll always remember Angela Lansbury. I believe she played the the uh, female witch or whatever she was in the movie. And just a great, a great book. I loved it. 
I really liked it. I, I, I remember I liked it when I was a kid, and I thought, mm-hmm. it's, yep. it's sometimes you read things, you know, and you don't know if you're going to like it as well when you're older. Right. Does, is it going to hold up? Is it going to stand the test time? Um, I find Beverly Cleary books hold up really well for me, even though they were written in the 50s, some of them, and so they're they're getting up there. Uh, but I still love some of those old children's books of hers. We have any hands up? We do. Let's go to Joshua. Hi, 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 hi. Thanks for letting me. Uh, thanks for letting me chip in like this. Because I mean, often, often on these calls, when I hear people talking, I'm thinking, "Wait, I need to talk about this. I need to mention this book. I need to talk about that book." But there, you know, there's just. I mean, I mean, if we if we had this call and it lasted if lasted for you know two hours or longer, I'd, I'd be here. I would not. I would not leave. This, this, this is a this this is a fun call. But I talking about children's mm-hmm. books. There 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 are so there are so many kids' books that I remember. I I, I reread every once in a while and think about them. One of my very favorites has got to be Treasure Island. I mean, I mean, if you don't if you don't like Treasure Island, I think you're weird. But I mean, who doesn't like pirates and buried treasure? But I like Treasure Island. I like Heidi. I like Hans Brinker or The Silver Skate. I mean, just so many classic books that I think of as my childhood. But I got to say, I found something on Bard that I was very pleased to see, and I did have in my my huge Bard collection. My, my Bard collection. My Bard collection. I've got on my external hard drive is. It's, 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 my bard collection is so big i don't i don't even know what's all in there but um but but uh, i found a book on bard and it, it was it was one it was one of the first one of the first full length talking books that i've ever that that i can ever remember i was maybe oh six or seven and uh, it was like a six and a half hour long book i mean to me when you're when you're a kid of six or seven you can you think you mean you think that's a long book i mean uh, when I was a kid, I thought a 57-page bro book was like some, you know, mammoth tome or something. But but uh, I, I talk about a quick book. The book is called Switching Switching Well by Penny R. Griffin. Uh, it is on Bard. I don't have the DB number in front of me. It's called Switching Well. Hmm. Switching Well is about two little girls. Uh, uh, her name is Ada. A girl, the one of the girls is Ada Bauer. She lives in 18. 18- uh, 78. It's it's now 1891 for her. And then you have in 1991 a girl Amber Brock. She she lives kind of in an orphanage place. Um, and and each of these girls thinks that uh, if they could be uh, Ada from the 1890s, if she thinks if she's 100 years in the future, things are going to be better. Amber thinks if I'm 100 years in the past, things are going to be better. And believe it or not, the two girls get their wish. They, they each of that, you know, Ada goes forward in time to Amber's time, and Amber goes back to Ada's time. And and it's and it, it's a fun book. Um, I definitely recommend it. And Michelle Schaefer reads it. And I got to tell you, Michelle Schaefer, if you think you know what her voice sounded sounds like, uh, she did that one. I guess she must have been younger or something because her voice does not sound anything like. It sounds very different. But she did she did a very good job reading that book and. Uh, I was so I was so pleased when I happened to uh, find that Switching Well by Penny R. Griffin was on was on Bard, and if uh, if you want a uh, a fun, interesting, um, you know, time travel story that it, it, I guess it's it, it, it's a fun book, and um, that's that's one that I uh, that I recommend. That it was one of the first full length, uh, you know, talking books that I ever read in my entire life. So it's nice to know that it's on Bard, which is kind of cool. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. It sounds like a good book, too. Yeah. It is. Uh, any other hands? We do not have any hands right now. All right. Well, let's take a hard left turn here or some kind of turn. Well, now we do have a hand. Do you want to go to it? Or right. we... well, you... No, go to your hand. That's fine. Okay. 
Uh, Carl, go ahead. <laughs> How about now? Am I unmuted now? Yep, yeah, you're, you're good. good. Okay. Carry on. Um, I, I want to say one, one thing really quick. Um, earlier, someone mentioned books read by John Polk. I'll read the phone book if John Polk reads it as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I also yes. wanted to say, is anybody you're talking about bed knobs and broomsticks? I've never read the book. I saw the movie years ago. <laughs> but I, I have a question kind of related to that. It's not a couple of years ago, I read the book Mary Poppins, which is light years different than the movie is. Is is the book Bed Knobs and Broomsticks similar to the movie or not? Based on my shadowy, shaky memories, I thought it kind of was pretty close. Anyone else have an opinion? It seems like it was pretty close. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but me too. Has but I remember read Mary the Poppins? island of I remember the island of cannibals. So so yeah, yeah. I think I think it was pretty close. You're Did right anyone... about the book and the movie Mary Poppins. They oh, are hugely different. different. Yeah. yeah, they're not totally even different almost, stories. Almost not even the same story. Yeah, yeah almost. Yeah. Almost. I also want to recommend when we're talking about young people's books. Any of the young persons or you know young adult, whatever you want to call it, books by Robert Heinlein. Oh yes. Um, Tunnel in the Sky is one of my all-time favorite books. I read it probably once a year. It's one of my favorite books. I like them far better than his adult books. That's uh, great. Most, of, most of his adult books to me. <laughs> Go right past me. In fact, I'm probably the only person I know of who can't stand Stranger in a Strange Land. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a terrible yeah. book. Yeah, uh, but but his his uh, juveniles or young adult stuff. books are just amazing, and you know, just good books. So yeah, is he also the guy who did Have Spacesuit Will Travel? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they right. sound corny, and they kind of are, but they're just fun. That sounds. They just great. are. And Tunnel in yeah. the Sky is just a really good book. It's about a a class that uh, has to learn to survive, and uh, they get dropped into some strange planet, and they have to learn, have to survive for up to ten days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get stranded because of a supernova, and it blocks the return. They, they're nice. there for three or four years. The interesting thing about that is it is it the thing I like about it is it talks, of course, about their methods of survival and doing different things. How they you know they come together from different groups that had been sent there. But mm-hmm. it was the, the bigger part of it to me was the the change in the people you know they were teenagers when they went there they were there for three or four years when they come back what's interesting is to see the difference because people still think of them as those kids you know that went off and here it's been three years well they had a city they had a they had some marriages they had some kids wow it 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 totally you know they they were totally different people and that's not a huge part of the book but it's kind of obvious at the end when you see you see that and you think what people really would change and and you know if they if you think of those kids that went off that came back quite different but it's a great book it's one of my favorite all-time science fiction kind of books yeah so that's great i just wanted to throw Sounds that in good. thank you uh, additional i have any more hands all right i'm going with this guys you'll love it if you read it and i don't know why you wouldn't because well I, I there might be a lot of reasons why you wouldn't this is called churchill's ministry of ungentlemanly warfare the mavericks who plotted hitler's defeat by giles milton giles milton is no longer alive but he was a, a great british historian and he wrote some good stuff, had a podcast for a long time, several years anyway, that dealt with history, uh, true things in history, the, the, the little facts you don't always associate with history, sort of trivial stuff. This is a highly readable history of groups of guerrillas who came together under Churchill's, uh, Winston Churchill's auspices, and they learned how to build and use equipment that would be uh, used against the Nazi war machine, sabotage. This really intrigued me. I loved the ingenuity of these Brits. I didn't know they had it in them in many instances. You always think of the United States as being the ones who kind of helped win the war, and it it certainly did, but these guys were pretty impressive. They built magnetic mines that were designed to attach to tanks and uh, railroad cars, anything that that was metal and moved, uh, ships in the ocean, etc. The mines used tiny balls of hard candy, as the timer. 
because they didn't have the, the ability to put a small clock in them. The mines, would that would have made them too big. These needed to be super tiny so that they could attach to these various surfaces unnoted and then blow them to Hades. They actually used tiny balls of candy as the timer because the candy would, would melt quite regularly at a specific rate in a, a certain kind of liquid. When it melted, the fuses came together, made contact, and kabooey, uh, Mr. Hitler's uh, train or his tank or whatever, uh, would become unusable. Uh, they also used modified condoms as timers. Uh, the book goes into greater detail about that. Um, <laughs> they were delayed circuitry, so you, these guys needed a, a chance to, uh, you know, lie the explosives in place and then book out, get out of there before it, it went boom. And sometimes these these uh, modified condoms were actually used to delay the explosions. Uh, you had to hand it to these Brits. They were pretty creative guys, uh, people. And it detailed the men and women who worked in this little unit of Churchill's. One of them is a woman named Joan Bright, who was the the uh, the model after which James Bond's secretary, Miss Moneypenny, was uh, was named was uh, written. Uh, because Ian Fleming was part of that that little guerrilla group in, at some point for a brief period of time as well. You'll read about the deliberate sacrifices of uh, expatriates from Nazi-occupied countries who deliberately came to England, learned how to build and use those explosive devices, and take them back to their own country and use them against Hitler's equipment, knowing full well that they would probably die, that if they were captured, they would they would never live. And it's a touching thing to watch those people say, we don't care, we're Norwegians, we're about independent Norway, we, if this kills us, no problem, we're ready to go, we're ready to die for the country. Pretty impressive stuff. Um, this is just a good book, and again, it's called uh, Churchill's Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, The Mavericks Who Plotted Hitler's Defeat, uh, again, it's DBC. 16045 DBC 16045 <clears throat> Sorry Let's go now to Deb Hi um no and I have a question about that uh-huh. I have heard that there was a group of people that created these fault airdromes um, created what? Airdromes. Air, yep, yep, the same and, group. Was mm-hmm. this the same group? That was what I was curious about. I think this is the same group of, of Brits who were involved in that. Um, Churchill brought very eccentric people. Very, I would think they would be on the spectrum, frankly. Today we might call them autistic. And these were brilliant scientists who uh, had a terrible time adjusting to the world uh, because the world didn't get, get along with them very well. And yet uh, their brilliance made them come together and build some of the most unusual uh, sabotage equipment you can imagine. That is a fascinating subject. Yeah. De- Deb, were you the one that Nolan had asked a question about earlier? I, w- I was. He was okay. asking me about I asked that. about the level of uh, mm-hmm. steamy sex in that Melinda Lee book. Is, is it okay, pretty tolerable, or is it... Uh... The first one is not at all steamy. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> the second one is maybe a little bit, but then, and I'm in the third one now, and I'm not sure how it's going to be. Okay. Uh, well, that's good knowledge. Thank you. Um, it, it's interesting that she's a um, romantic suspense writer. Yes. I would not classify these as romantic suspense. Okay. They were definitely more mystery, but they're, um, I don't know, they're kind of maybe a soft mystery without really being cozy. Um, okay. There's a lot of interesting interplay between the sheriff's office and the police and the prosecutor for the county. Um, and it's, it's pretty interesting. I've, 
well and sadly when we say about steamy and this and this, all of our definitions are probably No, you're different. right. It's very yeah. subjective. Well, I, yeah. I mean, like, there, I can't remember. There is at least one sex scene in the second book, but I don't think it goes into great detail. I don't remember it going into great detail. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, right. It wasn't quite what you would call behind closed doors. Okay, but, good. All right. Not, <laughs> um, but it was there was nothing particularly anatomical about it. Very that. cool. Very good. Uh, Carl, go ahead. You're good. Uh, yep. yep. I just had a question about the book. I read one, one, but talked about how it created a recording of Latang's. Yeah. Is that the same story? It's not the same book. You're reading You're reading the one about the deception, the operation, the, the, the deceptions that were used uh, at Normandy and elsewhere. Yeah, how they actually had recordings of Correct. sound like tanks and things. Were yes, that's, that's not the same book at all. Okay. But it's the yeah. same type thing, though. It was, Correct, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that's what I want. That, that sounds interesting. Oh, it's fascinating. You, you, you'd you find it amusing. Who asks about sex scenes and tells us about modified condiments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they made them super small, and these Brits were quick to point out that nobody can use these in our country. Oh, okay. Thanks, guys. Well, you know what they say. They, they send them over to write the great big ones, and they'd let them text it. So, ah, uh, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that sounds like a good book, though. I'd like to find. Yeah, you'd like it. Those things are fascinating. <laughs> yeah, you know, some of that stuff. You it's know, good stuff. By, yep. And, and a lot of a lot. <laughs> no, no, nice. What? Oops. We didn't mean to cut you off there. We're... I did not mean to do that, Carl. Go ahead and unmute again oh. if you want. Because we have said, about no, just I, about a minute I just and a half. Said, Nolan and I suffer from the same warps and humors. We do indeed. We have, and that's been the case for years. <laughs> yes, it has. So it's, I apologize uh, if I'm and pushing here. I think we're both at a point at this point in life where we're we're neither one prepared to reform. So, uh, yeah, and, if, just, and if you guys and if you guys suffer from it, Nolan, that makes then three of us. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, we're you kind never of, know. Kind of yeah, I think we're set, kind of like a mental point. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Change. Yep. Thanks for coming tonight, by the way. I appreciate it. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I, I yep. always meet when I get home. Sometimes I forget. And so. well, we're glad you could make it. Thanks. Um, I've got more books, but, guys, I think we're out of time. So it's your call, whatever you want to do. No? Um, I'm, I'm just the button pusher. <laughs> Jennifer, you call the shot. We're almost out of time. All right. Okay. All right. We'll quit. Wrap it up, but remember, Nolan has a bunch more next week. I do. I've got a bunch to go next week. That's good. Thank you very much. I don't have to do as much editing. (laughs) Recording stopped. So thank you very much, everyone. We'll see you next week, same time, same station. Take care. Thank you. Bye.